Welcome to the Why Did I Get Cancer podcast. I'm Deborah Herlax Enos, a small town girl turned TV nutritionist and healthy living expert. I design health programs for the average guy or gal, including those average guys named Metallica. On September 1st, 2020, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. I asked every oncologist the same question, why did I get cancer? But none of my doctors had good answers for me. I wanted answers and that's why I started this podcast. I wanna help you to lower your cancer risk and provide self-care tips for those in the battle. I'm getting answers and I wanna share them with you. had a huge takeaway with this episode today. I interviewed my acupuncturist. Her name is Dr. Amanda Tu. She mentioned to me about this incredible study where they did an acupuncture on people who were about to get heart surgery. Well, those people recovered faster, got out of the hospital quicker, and used fewer drugs to help in their recovery. That to me is just shocking that acupuncture can help somebody who is about to get surgery. And my second takeaway was how acupuncture can be used for pain. Now I've been using it for pain for many years, but I love that Dr. Amanda actually had some research studies to back this up. So give today's episode a listen. I know you're going to enjoy it. So today's uh, podcast is with Dr. Amanda Tu, and she's actually my acupuncturist. And I've never talked about acupuncture before, but I am a huge fan. And just a quick story, probably 28 years ago, I was snow skiing, fractured my leg in multiple places, almost completely blew out my ACL. And I was single and didn't have great health insurance and owned a business. So I couldn't take the time to go and get surgery. So instead, I got acupuncture and physical therapy. And 28 years later, I've run five half marathons. And this is after my um, sports medicine doctor said I would never walk again without a limp. And run five half marathons. I'm surfing three or four days a week. So you don't have to convince me that acupuncture is amazing. But I'd love to know, Dr. Amanda, what makes you so passionate about acupuncture? Yeah. uh, First of all, that's an incredible story. We always are scared when we hear about something like that. But then to be able to come back from that is just amazing. Um, And that's exactly why I'm so passionate about acupuncture. Because things like surgery, all that is very scary for some people. And of course, there are times where that's warranted, right? But then if someone prefers to try every avenue before surgery, why not go for it? Especially with acupuncture. Acupuncture just has little to no risk, honestly. And it helps with pain. It just helps with stress. It helps with so many things. And it's crazy as I kind of journeyed into learning acupuncture and then even working as an acupuncturist, I just fell more and more in love with the modality. It's just incredible. So on our appointments, um, I always seem to have my my liver is always off. <laughs> but when you talk about that, you're not necessarily talking about the organ. You're talking about my liver meridian. And if I'm confused, I'm sure other people are going to be confused too. Can you tell us more about what what what's a meridian and how many do we yeah, have in our yeah. body? And I, I mean, I honestly always confuse myself too because I always try and find a change my answer because it's not <laughs> something that I can explain Western medicine wise. It's just something you kind of know as an acupuncturist. Maybe it's also because I'm newly yeah. minted and I didn't have to 
didn't get to perfect it, but meridians are kind of channels that run throughout your body. And so we have 12 classic meridians, give or take a few of special meridians. And so when we influence one end of the meridian, we influence the whole meridian. And so that's why people are always wondering, why do you put points, you know, on my foot when I have elbow pain? I'm like, we're also, you know, trying to look at the meridian because we want to clear up that channel, so to speak, and, you know, make everything free flowing. Uh, I hope I don't lose people there, but, uh, and that's essentially what it is. Just channels throughout your body that we put acupuncture points in to influence what we want in the outcome. Okay. So there's a liver channel, there's a heart channel, there's a gallbladder, I'm assuming. Is it kind of like the major organs? Yep. yep. Okay. That is that is really fascinating. I always was wondering, you know, why do you put a needle in here, but I have shoulder pain? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you also have a needle. I think it goes between my eyebrows and yes. you call it the gla- the glass of wine because it's very calming yes. and kind of gets rid of anxiety and helps yeah. me to sleep and all yes. those things. So it sounds like, you know, it increases circulation to an area that is possibly mm-hmm. injured. So I, I when I go back to, you know, my greatest example, which was my mm-hmm. broken leg, I felt like it just, it really helped me with pain yeah. management. Yeah. And there's actually yeah. little nuances on that in terms of what exactly is happening. Um, and so obviously it's very complex, but so what it boils down is to when it influences the neighboring nerves, they do show that it can actually promote the type of macrophages that are anti-inflammatory as well as inhibit the macrophages that are inflammatory. And vice versa, on the neuronal level, it can actually inhibit the release of excitatory neurotransmitters is what they signal to the brain to be like pain, pain, pain. And it actually releases inhibitory neurotransmitter, which actually blocks the pain signals, therefore creating that like pain relief, that analgesic effect. Um, There's so much more intricacy with that, but that's kind of like boiling it down. So inserting a needle into a body part actually signals to the brain to turn down inflammation? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, essentially, yes. And through all the little intricacies of like activating things, inhibiting things, you know, almost kind of modulating it in a sense. Okay. So I'm already learning things I didn't know. And so if let's just say, um, you know, you have a, you have tennis elbow, do the needles just go around that one area or do they kind of go in different parts of the body? Yeah. So obviously, yes, local is always best when they have a local pain, but as a acupuncturist, we are always looking more on a holistic level, a constitutional level. So for example, if someone has chronic elbow pain, but also chronically stressed or not getting the right sleep, things like that, then we put points all over the body to not only to help regulate that. And because if someone's getting, you know, better sleep and having better regulation and stress, that decreases inflammation, that decreases chronic pain, all that kind of stuff. And so we work to build on that. Okay, well, well, stress is something I talk about all the time. And I tell you, just about every health expert, oncologist, um, alternative health practitioner that I've had on the show, stress is, in their opinion, the number one cause for cancer. So with that said, how... How can having acupuncture or traditional Chinese medicine practitioner in your life, how can that help your body 
to either manage stress, mitigate stress. Tell us more about that. Yeah. Um, well, because we know with acupuncture, it's very common to help with anxiety and stuff like that. And so with using acupuncture, it influences the neurotransmitters again to release things like dopamine and serotonin to help with sleep and help with feeling less anxious. And so therefore getting regular acupuncture will optimize your system to keep responding that way and therefore reduce your stress load, which like you said, will then reduce inflammation, will then reduce like the cause of diseases such as cancer. Right. So it's it's really a cascade of responses mm-hmm. in your body. So if you can if you can get acupuncture on a regular basis and create those what we call happy hormones. Mm-hmm. I had a guest a few weeks ago, Dr. Kelly Turner, and she talked about this really interesting study um, with breast cancer cells in a petri dish, and then they dropped oxytocin into the petri dish and the breast cancer cells were destroyed, you know, through apoptosis, which is literally popping, popping the cancer cells. So any way we can get more happy hormones in our body is a really good thing. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And then acupuncture has that cumulative effect to the point where the body then starts picking up its own and you don't have to come for acupuncture regularly. You can come on a maintenance and yeah, so it's amazing. Hmm. And that's really amazing that oxytocin can even do that to breast cancer cells. Isn't that amazing? I mean, it's, I mean, I I love that, you know, our body can heal itself, Mm -hmm. you know, but we probably also need to be on a maintenance program, you know, I mean, you, you know, waiting until you have stage four, fill in the blank, or, you know, you've got a lot of other problems going on. Um, It's probably good to start as early as possible. Right. Taking care of yourself. Yeah. With Mm self-care. Yes. Uh, So I'd like to move on to the topic of other things in I'll call TCM, traditional Chinese medicine. Um, You went to Bastyr, which is one of the best universities in our country, probably for the field that you're in. What are some of the other types of modalities you learned there that you that you use in your practice? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of TCM, oh my gosh, there's so many. There's obviously Chinese herbal medicine, super potent, uh, super well-researched, um, that can combat a lot of conditions. And then we do cupping, a lot of cupping. Um, I'm sure a lot of people know it's about that through massage therapy, PT, you know, Olympic athletes. And we use that also to help just relieve pain. And there's little nuances in terms of like chronic diseases and stuff like that. We also do cupping and acupuncture. Can you tell us a little bit about dietary Hmm. interventions and, you know, I've I've come to you for a few things. post-cancer, I was just running really hot all the time. And I said, are there foods I can eat (laughs) that are going to help to cool me down, heat me up, um, or even give more energy? And can you, can you share a little wisdom with us? Yeah. um, Yeah. So in terms of TCM in nutrition, uh, we base everything on energetics if we're looking in that realm, um, certain foods are cold, cool, warm, hot. I mean, people can common sense, right? Watermelon is cooling, cucumber is cooling. And so we relate that to what a person is feeling. So like for you, Deborah, when you mentioned like, oh, I'm just like more on the hot side. And for you on a TCM level, it's like, okay, we need to nourish you. We need to cool you down and then nourish your body fluid, so to speak. And that's a TCM um, vernacular. And so we apply the person's diagnosis 
what they need to what kind of foods they need in their energetics or the type of temperature they are. And so we gave you those body fluids, nourishing foods, those cooling foods to help also just constitutionally do its work. Whereas, hey, you can get acupuncture all you want, but you know, there's also some responsibility that the patient can take on because face it, you can't get acupuncture regularly. And so they can do things at home, like the nutrition aspect and feeding that and addressing that. And so it's, yeah, it's amazing. Everything is just boiled down to energetics and temperature and how that can apply to the human body. So if, if you're running hot, you're eating cooling foods. I think about, you know, it's it's very warm in Seattle today. And, you know, eating a, like a cucumber salad actually sounds amazing right now because I'm kind of yeah. sweating. And, and you're right, it's naturally cooling. And I never even, never really put two and two together like that. And of right. course, those fruits and vegetables are available in the summer when you not, might need to cool yourself down. I know that you know, we're all really busy and I think we have just like an epidemic of busyness. People aren't sleeping. Um, we're on screens too late at night. Um, our energy is just lower. What types of foods would you recommend to somebody who, you know, is really maybe struggling with their energy? Oh, that's a good question. Okay. So to answer that, it's just gonna be like a for, general yeah, response. Everybody is just everybody's so, so different. different. Um, yeah, but given what you have told me, stress and sleep and on their phones, for us in a teensium um, aspect, and again using the vernacular, that is going to be liver, and then sleep is going to be yin, and then kind of phone and over you know screen time is blood, and so when we do too much of that, when all that is in overdrive, we deplete mm-hmm. that. So we're just going to offset that by eating all the foods for that. And so blood nourishing foods would be like things that are red. It's kind of similar to like eat what the color is representative of. So goji berries are really good. Um, Dotsau is kind of like, um, what's that? Like very sweet prunes. It's kind of similar Mm -hmm. to prunes Um, that can help with your blood. Um, Yin foods are are gonna be the ones that are cooling and nourish your body fluids, things that are kind of slippery, Hmm. like lettuce, Mm -hmm. things like that, cucumbers again. And then in terms of stress, liver, uh, and I don't mean like, yes, you are maybe on a molecular level stressing out your Western liver Mm -hmm. organ, but speaking in TCM, it's a whole nother body system with some overlapping features. We also do stuff to help move your liver energy, so to speak. Um, that's going to be like, uh, I think sour foods. Speaking onto specific foods for calming your liver, we're looking at things that are, have like veins in them. So they're going to be your dark leafy greens, uh, kale, Brussels sprouts, oh. which coincidentally is also liver healthy foods. So isn't that kind of funny how they overlap? Yeah, celery. Wow. Um, so it's going to be also like radishes and spices too, all that to help move the liver stress to help calm it down. Yeah. I think you all know how much I love ButcherBox. Probably the biggest driver for me is the quality. And I love that ButcherBox focuses on small family fisheries so they know who's fishing for the sockeye salmon. And they also focus on small family ranches where, again, they visit these ranches and they, they know that these animals are being treated humanely. And that is probably my biggest driver. 
I also had many of you reach out to me and tell me, hey, I want to try ButcherBox, but I don't want to commit to a full year. So I have great news for you. You can go ahead and use my code and sign up for as long as you want. Of course, right now we're doing the free bison in every box and you still get the free bison in every box and $20 off of your first box. So all you have to do is go to butcherbox.com forward slash Enos and then use the code Enos and then you're gonna get $20 off of your first order and then free bison in every box for up to a year. This is a great opportunity to just try out ButcherBox without having to commit to 12 months. I have to tell you, I get so excited when I get that delivery box at my front door because I know it's going to be incredibly high quality protein that honestly, I can't get in any supermarkets near my home. So give ButcherBox a try. I think you'll love them. And again, when you're talking about move the liver stress, you're not actually talking about the organ, you're talking about the meridian that we discussed earlier. Oh, that is fascinating, fascinating. So maybe a random question, maybe not. Are you saying that to really max out our health, especially from a TCM, traditional Chinese medicine perspective, is it is it better to be plant-based? Yes and no. Uh, a lot of practitioners still argue about this um, because- Okay. Yes, plant-based obviously is going to be the best over, you know, refined sugars, all that kind of stuff because they give you so much property. But mm -hmm. meat also gives you that property too. There are certain meats that are more nourishing mm -hmm. for uh, your body fluids that are also for liver and things like that as well. And a lot of the meat, and I forgot to add this, is really good for nourishing your blood. And we know that through Western medicine-wise in terms of, you know, ferritin levels, iron levels. But there mm -hmm. is a meat aspect to it. But again, it's always kind of like the sustainability, what works best for you, what, you know, your morals, your beliefs, all that kind of stuff. And obviously kind of being a moderation kind of style diet, right? Too much of a good thing can always become bad. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about the science behind acupuncture. I'm assuming, you know, it's acupuncture has been on the planet for thousands of years. Have we studied it? Right. And yeah, I mean, we've also studied it for years out. I mean, more commonly outside of the U.S. because it's been more well established and people are more aware of acupuncture, but we are slowly getting more and more research in the United States. Um, but yeah, there's so much science on it and it was hard not to go down a rabbit hole, but like, for example, mm. I was researching dementia in cardiovascular disease as well as digestion. I feel like those are typically the top three that a lot of people worry about or maybe kind of get stuck around. And so, for example, if we kind of maybe take the topic of hypertension and studying that on a molecular level, um, again, when we take back the explanation of like, hey, a point in the skin stimulates nerves, all the kind of stuff, there's actually research where it can stimulate the release of nitric oxide and increase the concentration. Nitric oxide allows vasodilation. Vasodilation, therefore, can decrease blood pressure. And so... Yeah, it's crazy. Wow. And there's even studies of people before they go undergo heart surgery, what happens if they get electroacupuncture and see what their kind of recovery time is after. And they would physically measure the troponin levels, someone after heart surgery. Troponin is a common uh, molecule that's released from damage, from heart attack, things like that. That's how someone actually knows if you're having a heart attack. They measure your troponin levels. Okay. And actually... 
before getting acupuncture, before the surgery, showed that they had lower levels after the surgery and they actually needed less drug use and their hospital stay actually shortened as well. So what? if you kind of take that, yeah, yeah. Oh it's, my it's amazing. gosh. Yeah, it's crazy. <sighs> um, obviously, there's they go down and break down the actual um, cellular level, what's happening. I mean, who would ever think you could get acupuncture before a heart surgery and you'd have a shorter hospital stay and a faster recovery. It's crazy. And again, I mean, does science know how it works? There, I mean, I think we're trying to figure that out. Otherwise, like acupuncture would long have gone extinct, right? Right, right. Um, and we're, you know, a lot of the studies now are more rats. So it'd be nice if we can move forward on human mm-hmm. trials. Um, so I'll give you that example of digestion. I think this was a human trial and might misspeak, but the one that I was reading is they stimulated a point, a very common point that we know is for digestion. And what they did is they measured the levels of zonula and cadherins as well as mast cells. So the first two, zonula and cadherins, actually help bind up your intestinal tract. That's how you prevent leaky gut. Um, yeah, and they actually showed increased concentrations of it after people get acupuncture, specifically of that point. Oh my god! And then it decreased mast cells. Yeah, which decreased histamine reaction, which decreased like sensitivity, things like that. Right. And they would take the cell, they would lyse it, and they would measure the concentrations of it. So we're starting to mm-hmm. get there, but it's also kind of like okay, these are in rats, for example. We do see it in some humans, but then it's also kind of like. Then we get into the rub of how do we standardize this, which right. is hard because acupuncture is not something we can standardize. Patients are not something we can standardize. Right, right. right. And then the, there's the whole yeah. insurance question, which you know <laughs> probably is Pandora's yes. box yes. to talk about. But right. you right. mentioned gut health, and that is so near and dear to my heart because you know I don't know if you feel the same way I feel, but after my cancer journey and interviewing all these mm-hmm. medical experts disease really starts in the gut. Yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. acupuncture can help with gut health. Yeah. It's crazy. Given what we spoke to before, it can help with constipation, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. Uh, Cause it kind of helps with peristalsis. They're even starting to research on how it does that. And again, on a molecular mm-hmm. level, they see that it increases the expression of a particular smooth muscle protein that helps with kind of regulating mm-hmm. anything, everything and promoting motility. So yeah, on the Western medical aspect and science of it, we're starting to see that and seeing the benefit of it. Wow. And so you see, you see all types of patients, um, and I don't know if you have a lot of people who are focused on cancer prevention, um, but of course that's my that's my big driver, and that's why I started this podcast. Can acupuncture help me to not get cancer again? Yeah, so I mean that's a very loaded question, but sure is. <laughs> I want to say indirectly, yes. I mean, there's a lot of things where. There's a lot of research where you can't really make that bold statement of acupuncture can prevent cancer, right? Um, understandably so, because you have to be pretty confident in something to make that statement. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are so many factors to it. But acupuncture, I feel like if we were to look on in the lens point of inflammation and how inflammation drives cancer, stress drives cancer, like you said, then yes, indirectly it can. Because when we have the inflammation response and it releases all those like 
inflammatory mediators like cytokines and chemokines that will allow for cell proliferation. And then when that goes overboard, right, cancer happens, Mm -hmm. tumor growth, all that kind of stuff. But acupuncture can modulate that inflammation, can rebalance things like when we've talked about earlier, you know, promoting cells that are anti-inflammatory and then inhibiting cells that are less inflammatory. And so if we can modulate the inflammation, therefore, then we can modulate the ability to not put stress on the cells, which then can inadvertently lead to cancer. And so that's why it's like, if we look in that lens point, I think definitely. So it could really help. And it sounds like it's really from the stress Mm -hmm. perspective. Yes. So it can help to modulate the stress. And most people, you know, I don't know how, I don't know what percentage of the population who listens to my show um, gets acupuncture. But how often do you need to get acupuncture to have some of these great mm. responses? Again, it's always going to depend, right? So if we were thinking preventative lens point, honestly, once a week is always good. In the perfect world, like two or three times a week is good for acute situations like um, ankle swelling or acute pain, right? Um, but if mm-hmm. we're thinking about just keeping the body up and keeping it as optimal as possible once a week, maybe even once a month, just some kind of pattern in your body to kind of reintroduce and keep re-stimulating that area to help with mm-hmm. keeping, you know, optimization. Mm-hmm. And so would you compare it a little bit to maybe seeing a, a new chiropractor and, you know, at first maybe they want to see you twice a week and then you eventually get into a maintenance phase where maybe I go in once a month or, you know, every other month. Yeah, exactly. I think you definitely summed it up pretty well. Uh, you definitely, okay. you know, because if someone has a chronic issue, it's not going to go away after one treatment. Just like we take one pill or right. something, it needs to build up, right? We need to see you right. a little bit more regularly and then we can mm-hmm. back off of it and then go into that okay. space. Okay. And then uh, I was on your table a few days ago and one of the things that mm-hmm. I kind of, honestly, I geek out about it is when you take my pulse, mm-hmm. Can you, can you talk us through what that's all about? Oh yeah. Oh man. Yes. So that's, I don't know why I forgot to mention that as part of our techniques of what we learn in acupuncture, uh, pulse is a big thing as well as tongue with pulse. Each hand represents different organs. Really? We have three different locations on each hand that we can kind of determine. People spend decades studying these. There are pulse masters out there where um, I've had like supervisors and colleagues tell me where they will take your pulse for 10 minutes. And I kid you not, they would say, did you have an ankle fracture of your left ankle when you're eight years old? And people would say yes. Oh my gosh. And that's how nuanced. Yes, that's that's how much studying. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. (laughs) There are even acupuncturists who taught me had told me that their mentors would then like are still learning and then would tell them that. And then they were mind blown. Um, that's yeah, it's because shocking. We, uh, it's, it is, they study the shape, they study the rhythm, they study, um, the depths of it and what it pertains to each of the organs. And then they make their connections with it. And so, yeah, pulse is a really wow. big thing in, in, TCM. So the body, it really tells a story with pulse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. 
Yeah, I can say that I'm not quite there, but it's amazing. <laughs> well, I know you you took my pulse the other day and you were like, oh, you seem stressed. And then you put a few needles in, including my little glass of wine one that went right here. And then you took my pulses again. You're like, oh, your body's already responded. And I thought, oh my gosh, the body rocks, doesn't it? I mean, the body, I, I would say my big takeaway from acupuncture and, and even our conversation is give your body a chance to heal itself. Mm-hmm. Put yeah. yourself in a position where your body says, ah, oh, this is great. Maybe you're meditating. Maybe you're going for a walk. Maybe you are getting acupuncture. Maybe you're just sitting and looking out of a window and you're watching a hummingbird. You're putting your body into a state where yeah. it can really start to clean up some of the junk. Yep. And heal. Yeah. You're totally correct. Yeah. Oh, well, Dr. Amanda, this has been uh, such an interesting conversation. And like I said, I do geek out on the pulses. Oh, I know. Before we wrap up, what's the tongue all about? Oh, Wait, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've never, um, I'm only, it's only at an acupuncturist office where you can actually stick your tongue out at a doctor yes. and not have somebody yes. say, what are you doing? <laughs> yes. It's funny. And it's, it's funny because the past three years we couldn't tell people to stick your tongue out. So I totally forgot about it just because, you know, COVID, all that kind of stuff, everyone was wearing masks. And so right. the tongue is also just as nuanced as the pulse. Um, People can do the same thing with tongue. They can study years, decades on the tongue and describe everything to, so first of all, we do like the color of the tongue, the coat that you have, and then like characteristics of the tongue. Um, And so it's like, are you more red? Does that symbolize heat? That's the body color of it. People who have digestion issues and I look at the coat and it's like thick or it's kind of like yellow. Uh That's very characteristic of digestion issues. Yeah. It's really amazing. Wow. Yeah. Then there's different wow. areas for different organs that we also assess too. And where the characteristics show up on each different side also means something. It's just, it's amazing. It's, there's just so much to learn about yeah. acupuncture. And mm-hmm. again, I just love that the body, if given a chance, it'll show you where this, where it's struggling. And right. And then it's up to you with your knowledge to come up with a plan for it. It sounds like um, you've really seen some success stories with acupuncture. I have. I have. Um, I mean, granted, I've also heard of a lot more success stories and I hope to kind of apply mm-hmm. that in my future years of being an acupuncturist. So it's amazing. It's amazing medicine. Yeah, it really is. Well, thank you, Dr. Amanda, for coming on Why Did I Get Cancer? It was just fascinating to talk to you. And again, I've been receiving acupuncture for probably 30 years. And even back when I um, I had no money, <laughs> there was a school near my uh, where I lived in Oakland, California, and I would go over to the school and I got, I don't know, acupuncture for $10 or something. And, I'd, and all the students would jab me, but it was just like, this is what I could afford. And it was, it worked for me. So yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of acupuncture. Yeah, and that's awesome. Thank you for having me. I mean, for being able to spread the message of acupuncture and that you're a huge fan just really helps our medicine. It really does. Yes, thanks, thanks again for coming on the show. Thank you, Deborah. Thank you for joining me today on the Why Did I Get Cancer podcast. 
I've got my shopping guide for all of my cancer self-care items in the show notes, along with information about today's guest and our show sponsors. And don't forget to subscribe to my podcast so you never miss an episode. Keep in mind, I'm not a doctor. I'm just a gal that got diagnosed with cancer and wanted answers. If you need medical advice, please be sure to consult with a medical professional. And thank you for listening. 